How do we find hope when it all seems hopeless? Welcome to episode 328 of The Recovery Show. This episode is brought to you by Jesse, Laura, Sharon, Travis, and Melanie. They use the donation button on our website. Thank you, Jesse, Laura, Sharon, Travis, and Melanie for your generous contributions. This episode is for you. We are friends and family members of alcoholics and addicts who have found a path to serenity and happiness. We who live or have lived with the seemingly hopeless problem of addiction understand as perhaps few others can. So much depends on our own attitudes, and we believe that changed attitudes can aid recovery. Before we begin, we would like to state that in this show, we represent ourselves rather than any 12-step program. During this show, we will share our own experiences. The opinions expressed here are strictly those of the person who gave them. Take what you like and leave the rest. We hope that you'll find something in our sharing that speaks to your life. My name is Spencer, and I am your host today. And joining me today is Eric. Welcome back, Eric. Hey, Spencer. Good afternoon. How was the fishing? It was beautiful weather. <laughs> <laughs> it was. <laughs> well, that's half of it, isn't it? Uh, yeah, it was absolutely beautiful today, Sunday, April 19th to get outside amidst all of the quarantining and get some fresh air and cast a line into a beautiful river. No fish today, two yesterday, but yeah, it was nice to get out. You chose a reading for our topic. This is an excerpt from the book In All Our Affairs, Chapter 10, which is titled Love and Forgiveness, Steps 10, 11, and 12. I just happened to be reading this chapter last week and shared it in a meeting and then you emailed me about perhaps doing an episode chapter 10 from in our all our affairs making crises work for you al-anon is a program of hope it shows us a way to become students of life on life's terms we start to recognize the opportunities for growth hidden within every situation we learn that it is possible to find serenity within ourselves even when surrounded by chaos. As an old Chinese proverb observes, if I keep a green bough in my heart, a singing bird will come. Still, it's easy to become discouraged. Many of us find ourselves grappling again and again with issues we thought we had overcome long ago. We sometimes doubt that we are making any progress at all. One member likens this aspect of the recovery process to climbing a spiral staircase. While it may seem we are getting nowhere, going in circles, we actually revisit old issues from an ever higher vantage point. As we practice steps 10, 11, 12, we become less likely to invalidate the element recovery we have already achieved. Then I'm going to skip. The rest of this is all really, really good. Lots of highlights on my version, but it goes on for five pages. So we by our small group consensus, moving to page 210, (laughs) meaning you and me. Moving on is actually what this is titled at the top of the page. I hadn't even noticed that. Page 210, last paragraphs of this chapter. Recovery in Al-Anon can free us from despair. We move from being at the mercy of any problem that comes along to an inner certainty that no matter what happens in our lives, we will be able to face it, deal with it, and learn from it with the help of our higher power. Like the movement of a glacier, we may not recognize our progress right away, but the effects of working the Al-Anon program are profound and lasting. 
no matter how hopeless we may feel in response to personal tragedy, there is every reason to hope. So very many of us have not only survived similar events, but have flourished. The miracle of recovery is that no matter what circumstances we face, we are able to live and love once more. I think it's a great reading for today. And uh, a reminder that there is hope if we know how to find it, how to feel it. Um, This was something that I struggled with for a long time. There is an earlier episode in the recovery show on hope. I forget the exact number. It's somewhere in the first 50 or so. Because it it is something that's sometimes difficult. When I was living with active alcoholism, it didn't seem like it was going to go anywhere. didn't seem like my loved one was ever going to find recovery. I had to find a different meaning of hope than the one that I had had. And I think, why don't we move into definition and then I'll come back to what I felt and what I found. So I I assume you found us a definition. Of course I did. (laughs) (laughs) Where it is at the moment, I am fumbling through my papers. Well, if I ask Google to find hope, I get noun, a feeling of expectation and desire for a certain thing to happen. And that is the problem because there's that word expectation. There's that certain thing. So expecting an outcome or desiring an outcome and the verb, I hope want something to happen or to be the case again, the specific thing and that it has to happen in order for me to be okay. Right. You know, we say, Hey, I, Hope you feel okay about that, which means I expect you feel okay about that, right? (laughs) I hope it'll be sunny tomorrow, okay? If it's not sunny tomorrow, I'm going to be disappointed. Mm -hmm. In this definition, there's the word expectation. It it feels to me like in common usage, hope is, is just completely tied up with this notion of expectation. I had no expectation that my loved one was going to get sober. So how did I have hope? The definition, the understanding of hope that I came to eventually was that there's a possibility of change, a possibility of things getting better, usually is what we're hoping for. We're not usually hoping that things will get worse, except maybe for somebody else who we don't like. I was actually inspired to this topic by the sermon last week, last week, you know, it was Easter and in the Christian faith, Easter is all about hope, hope of new life, hope of Jesus returning. The sermon talked about, you know, we have this thing of of hope as expectation, but what we really need in this moment today is an understanding of possibilities a realization, a a knowledge, a a certainty, a faith that there are possibilities. We're going to get through this. Right now, 
right now we're all like, what the heck? When is this going to be over? And a part of hope is that there is a possibility and a fairly strong feeling of certainty that it will be over and that we'll get through it okay. I had a conversation a few episodes ago now. Yes, episode 293, my conversation with Lynn. She had some words to say about different meanings of hope. I find myself waiting. Sometimes I'm waiting with an expectation, and I'm waiting for what I want to happen to happen. I live in a part of the country where there's a lot of Spanish spoken, and I learned Spanish uh, when I was in high school. And then as a young adult, I lived in Spain. So I spend a lot of time thinking about Spanish and English. And I learn a lot about, well, Al-Anon through things like this. So in mm. Spanish, you can say esperar, which means to wait. It also means to hope. Esperar means to wait or to hope. And there is an esperar kind of hoping, and there is an ojalá kind of hoping. And ojalá literally means God willing. And if I am waiting, if I'm hoping and waiting, then I'm engaged in my codependency. And if I am more hoping with surrender to my higher power, then I'm in an ohala state of mind. And that single word really helps me fully release from my own expectations of what happens next. Yeah. And, and I was like, that was a really interesting, like, hey, there's two different words here that sort of pull apart the different meanings that we put on that one word in English. And I like the way she expressed the second kind of hope is putting ourselves in the hands of our higher power and to put it in Al-Anon recovery terms, right? So that also spoke to me. Where do you start with this word hope? I guess for me is trying to detach it from expectations, really, is try to unlink it. And I found this reading, I think I may have sent to you, the difference between, actually the, the website's called difference between dot info, difference between hope and expectation. Yeah. It says it's not really so clear sometimes. The key difference, it says, hope is a positive feeling which originates from within. It is related to one's desire that something should happen. Expectation is also a similar desire, but unlike hope, most of the expectations depend on others in order to get fulfilled. Hope considered to be healthier than expectations. Failed hopes are not nearly as dangerous as failed expectations. Hope and expectations are related to very personal feelings of a human being. Both are experienced by every individual. In many of the dictionaries, they both are used to define the definitions of each other. Yeah. How about that? You're right? Yeah, that's exactly what I found when, when I looked up synonyms. They kind of went with both of them. But the, the key difference, I think it's really important that they point this out. One's desire that something should happen versus that expectation depend on others in order to get fulfilled. So hope I can have it is internal. I can hope for the best. I can plan and do the best I can. But expectations, when I put that into the equation, I think it turns hope upside down. I'm looking back at our acronyms episode. Yeah. <laughs> I was wondering if we had it. We sure did. We had a bunch. Happy our program exists. Have only positive expectations. That wasn't in our list there, but I've just looked that up. 
It's a great acronym. Have only positive expectations. Hope. Happy our program exists. Both good ones. Yeah. You know, we've done an episode on expectations and certainly trying to keep them apart. I, I can hope that things will improve for me, but it's dangerous to hope things can improve for others. You know, I can hope I'm going to win the lottery and all my financial concerns will be evaporated. Is it realistic? Is it a realistic expectation? Probably not. Hope without the tools of action and having realistic hopes, you know, tend to take me nowhere, take me in circles. So a lot of motivational quotes about hope, I think, speak to that same notion. What's realistic? You know, is it a wish? Or a hope. Mm-hmm. I can, I, you know, wish versus yeah. hope might be another. I, I yeah. wish I would win the lottery. It reminded me, I was thinking about this this morning, of the definition I heard, or one definition I heard for forgiveness. Forgiveness is letting go of hoping for a better yesterday. You know, that I can't change. Yeah. And the last thing I wrote down, and then we'll move on, is I just happened to write this as I was listening Hope means losing my hopelessness for mm-hmm, me, mm-hmm. if that makes some sense. Mm-hmm. You know, that things can improve. And the hope for me, I've seen happen that they do improve. But I got to do the work. You got to do the work, yeah. You found some some really good resources here online, which we will put links in the show notes at therecovery.show slash 328. There's another one titled The Difference Between Expectation and Hope. Appears to be by a doctor, but just writing from his experience, not from his being a doctor. He says, Expectation is rigid clinging to unreal belief. Expectation is demanding exactly what we want to happen regardless of what is actually happening. Expectation is fixed and frozen. It is inflexible and rigid. It is unable to give or bend or change. Also, that expectations are limited to our previous experiences. We are unable to expect something that we haven't seen before, which is kind of an interesting thought. Hope, on the other hand, is much different. Hope is the wish for something to happen. It is flexible. It is alive. It responds to all situations instead of battling against the ones that appear to be opposite. It admits reality. That was my dog. Admitting reality. <laughs> I wonder what that was. He's like, I want to leave the room, but I can't. Oh, well. <sighs> yeah, hope is not limited by previous experience. It We can hope for more than what we know. We can hope for something better. Hope helps us to keep moving forward. Hope is flexible. This is right here. This is key to me. My experience when someone does not live up to our hopes, we can keep hoping for them because hope is flexible. Hmm. It's a pretty short read. I thought it was full of a lot of wisdom. That's cool. Yeah. I wrote just scribbling as we're talking unrealistic hopes, or in this case, unrealistic expectations lead to disappointment, despair, and resentment. Another episode we did, Resentment. I think if I place unreal, I mean, I, in the beginning, I got to say it. I, I'm, I'm sure I'm not alone. My hope was all about, I hope she gets sober. I mm-hmm. hope she stops drinking. I mm-hmm. hope she goes to meetings. Mm-hmm. I hope I don't come home to this chaos again tonight. I hope my kids aren't scared, afraid, and in danger. 
that's all that I hoped for. Really, it, it was. I could do nothing about it. I mean, I certainly could do things about keeping my children safe, but you know, in the beginning, before I had any tools or any hope for myself to recover, I didn't believe I would. Honestly, I didn't even know there was such a thing as we can be happy whether the alcoholic is still drinking or not. I didn't believe it. I was so enmeshed, and our children were young. It there seemed like no way out. So hope, I guess, to me right now and thinking, talking out loud, is that there is a solution. There is a way. And I can hope to find it, you know, by using these tools. Yeah, going back to your examples there, I hope I don't come home to the same thing tonight. That's that expectation kind of hope. And it fits right in with what this guy was saying about expectations are based on previous experience. It's like, I know I've been there, is I'm actually expecting that I will come home to the same thing, and I don't want it to be so. That's that's where the expectation comes out of the previous experience. You found a couple of other readings, and I really like this one from Courage to Change, September 14th, page 258. It expresses that journey that I went through, I think. Living with alcoholism taught me that it was best not to hope for anything. The lessons were too painful. I would get excited about something, only to have my hopes shattered. As time passed and hope diminished, I fell deeper into despair. Eventually, I shut down my feelings and refused to care or to hope for anything at all. Through Al-Anon's 12 steps, I am discovering a spirituality that allows me to believe that there is every reason to hope. With my higher power's help, regardless of my circumstances, I can feel fully alive in the moment and enjoy this feeling. The painful lessons of a lifetime are not unlearned overnight, but Al-Anon is helping me to learn that it is safe to feel, to hope, even to dream. At the beginning... Hope is, and I remember this, I remember actually my first meeting, my wife was in another treatment program, her first inpatient program. I went to that meeting, and when it was my turn to share, I said something like, my wife's in rehab, I hope it works this time. And cried, because, you know, (laughs) that's where I was. And by that, I meant, I don't know what I'll do if it doesn't. It wasn't really about hope. It was expressing a wish. I I think the word wish, I wish it works this time, is better expressed. A couple of years later, she was still not sober, but I was able to have hope by which I meant things could change. There was a possibility of change. There was a possibility of her getting sober. And that was enough because Elanon had given me the tools to have a life, even, you know, even while the alcoholic was still drinking, as our opening says. I'm looking at this Psychology Today article that you found, The Power of Hope. And I feel like this guy says it a little too strongly. Okay. This quote, hope is the belief that circumstances will get better. 
It is not a wish for things to get better. It is the actual belief, the knowledge that things will get better, no matter how big or small. And that's that's not where I was. I had no knowledge. Well, I mean, I did and I didn't. Okay? Depends what you mean by get better. Because things had already gotten better. They just hadn't gotten better the way I wanted them to. I thought at the beginning, I thought the only way things would get better would be if she stopped drinking. What I found in Al-Anon was that that didn't have to be true. And so there was hope for me. And there we come back to the serenity prayer. What are the things that I can change? Me. So in the sense of this article here, yes, I had belief that my circumstances would get better because they had gotten better. I guess if I think about it that way, it works. But I really like what he goes on to say here about the ability to have hope is the key to recovering from a traumatic experience. And he discovered this working with what he called physical survivors of Hurricane Katrina. And there were some people who were also surviving psychologically, and there were people who weren't. The difference, he says, is that to move people from what he called the psychological victim to the psychological survivor, he had to find a way to give them some hope, a belief that things would get better. He talks about three important things to find hope for yourself, hope in your life. One is faith, the belief that there is something bigger and more important than you. God, a higher power, a child, a loved one, a mission, a cause, a reason to go on. It's not just about you. So where do we find that in the program? Steps two and three, right? Gratitude. How many meetings have you been to where the topic is gratitude? About how important it is to find gratitude for the smallest things because of the way it changes our outlook, the way it changes our own emotions, our own mood, our own character. You know, what do you have to be thankful for, not what you don't have? Because there's always things to be thankful for. As long as I'm still here, there will be things to be thankful for. And love, to be able to have a loving connection to another person. And again, our program gives us this right in our closing. Although you may not like all of us, you'll come to love us in a very special way, the same way we already love you. Or the saying that I've heard you know, you guys loved me until I learned to love myself. Yeah. So, Eleanor gives us those things that help us to have hope, which enables us to look up from the disaster or whatever that we're in, the disaster of our loved ones drinking. Yeah, let's take it out of the scenario of an addict alcoholic and yeah. just say, you know, hope in all aspects of what's going on in the world right now is a very powerful thing to have. Yeah. Despair is the opposite. Yeah. Without hope, you know, I, I'm going to go into a depression and I'm going to be hopeless. I think that one of the largest takeaways I have from this program is to have a regaining of my hope mm-hmm. for myself and my future and my children, my happiness, my serenity, my yeah. peace of mind. I have hope for that now. I had none of it when I came in. I had despair. Yeah. Couldn't ever see that there was a way out. 
it was hopeless. If I were to sum up this episode in a few thoughts, the difference now is that I have some. I didn't have hope when I came in. The guy that you just finished talking about, his article, this doctor, I loved his first two paragraphs. I'd like to go back to those. If I could find a way to package and dispense hope, I'd have a pill more powerful than any antidepressant on the market. (laughs) Hope is often the only thing between man and the abyss. As long as a patient, individual, or victim has hope, they can recover from anything and everything. I mean, talk about a powerful paragraph. Yeah, absolutely. However, if they lose hope, unless you can help them to get it back, all is lost. One thing I can tell you is that hope is an emotion that springs from the heart, not the brain. Hope lays dormant until its amazing strength is beckoned. Supplying a sheer belief that you will overcome, you will persevere, and you will endure anything and everything that comes your way. Man, that's the power of hope. Yeah. You know, there was a quote, and I think of it now that I'm on it, is uh, from the great movie, Shawshank Redemption. Uh-huh. I mean, talk about there really being no reason for hope. These guys are, most of them, in, in this awful, god-awful, lifelong lockup. Mm-hmm. Timothy Robbins, I think, is the actor who goes in, gets falsely convicted of killing his wife, and he's sitting across the table from... Morgan Freeman. And so Timothy Robbins comes out and he's, how did, you know, never seen somebody go into the hole for 30 days. You know, how did you survive? He goes, well, they can't take away this. And he points to his head. What do you mean? They can't take away this. And Morgan says, what is that? He said, that's hope. And Morgan Freeman said, son, that's a dangerous thing. Hope is a dangerous thing. A man can go crazy thinking about that because in their situation, there really was no way out. Okay. You could try to jump the fence, but you're going to get shot. So, I mean, there are two sides of hope, you know, hoping for unrealistic things, I think is dangerous, Mm -hmm. but just simply hoping, just simply hoping for things to improve is a very powerful thing. No such thing as easy time in the hole. That's right. A week in the hole is like a year. Damn straight. Here's where it makes the most sense. You need it so you don't forget. Forget. You forget that there are places in the world that aren't made out of stone. That there's a there's something inside that they can't get to. That they can't touch. It's yours. Talking about hope. Hope. Let me tell you something, my friend. Hope is a dangerous thing. Hope can drive a man insane. It's got no use on the inside. You better get used to that idea. Oh, man. That's amazing you pulled that up. <laughs> Google man. Yeah, I kind of wanted to wrap with another, you know, conference approved literature reading, which is from one day at a time. Yeah. April 3rd. I thought this is a really cool one. It's a good reading. It really isn't so hard to believe in miracles in Al-Anon. We see such miraculous changes in people who come as newcomers, filled with self-pity and resentment, and beset with fears. There may not even have been any improvement in their alcoholic situation at home. But what they learn in Al-Anon 
makes a tremendous difference in their own outlook. They gain confidence and poise. They come out of their shells and concern themselves with others in similar trouble. All of this can be attributed to the sound spiritual sense that Al-Anon makes, but certainly, quote, miracle is a good word to describe the results. Today's reminder, and here it comes. The first gift a newcomer receives from contact with Al-Anon is hope. Seeing how others rise above their problems, listening to situations worse than their own, absorbing the atmosphere of love and goodwill, sends them home with a new lease on life. Yeah. Talk about hope. You know, I think that was, for me, absolutely the first gift was hope. I no longer felt completely hopeless. You know, I found similar people with similar problems, and in some cases worse, someone they'd lost a loved one. As long as I continue to wake up and keep breathing, there's hope. I thought that was a great reading. Yeah, I remember a very early meeting. Somebody talked about finding their alcoholic loved one dead in their apartment after they didn't really know how long because there was nobody else there. And and I thought, oh, man, that's horrible. And then the person said, and the fact that he was dead didn't really make things any better. <laughs> You know, I don't, I don't know if I want to put that in here because that's not, it's not about hope, but it's about the, you know, the hopelessness of the situation that this person was, in some sense, rising out of. There's also some really cool brainy quotes, if you think it's... You got the brainy quotes, okay. <laughs> yeah, Let's go with I the do. brainy quotes. <laughs> so, my daughter was looking through these today, you know, when she was working through some troubles of her own. Uh -huh. She wrote the word hope across her fingers from uh -huh. index to pinky in uh -huh. a black marker. She was only 14 at the time. You know, I asked her at that point what it meant. She didn't even know, but she just was hopeful of something changing. And actually, I spoke with her today in prepping for this episode. She was sitting with me and reading and highlighting some of the quotes. I told her what I was doing today, and she thought it was a great topic. She had a lot of thoughts on it. So some of the quotes from Brainy Quotes that she highlighted, yeah. she put them in different colors, meaning different <laughs> things. Let me find it. The ones she highlighted as motivational, this one's Emily Dickinson. Hope is the thing with feathers that perches in the soul and sings the tunes without the words and never stops at all. Aristotle, hope is a waking dream. That's pretty cool, too. Benjamin Franklin, he that lives upon hope will die fasting. She said that was a, an example of an unrealistic or negative hope. Uh, he that lives upon hope will die fasting. So that's an unrealistic expectation of hope. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Let's see this one she highlighted. Extreme hopes are born from extreme misery. Bertrand Russell. And she wrote underneath it, don't ignore your problems. Don't stare and glare. Create a great hope. She comes and Speaks very philosophically. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Let's see. Hope is the only bee that makes honey without flowers. Oh, that's cool. Mm -hmm. She liked that one. Hope is the only bee that makes honey without flowers. Robert Green Ingersoll. From someone named Simus Hine. Even if hopes you started out with are dashed, hope has to be maintained. I think that's kind of the overriding 
philosophy of hope. And this one on my screen is from Albert Einstein, pretty smart dude. <laughs> Learn from yesterday, live for today, hope for tomorrow. Pretty good. Another acronym, hold on, pain ends. Yeah. After a short break, we will continue with our lives in recovery, where we talk about how recovery works in our daily lives. And you have a song selection for us, Eric. You want to tell us about it? Yeah, sure. Last night, I just looked up, you know, songs about hope and came across one that is just full of positive vibration and feeling. Hope by Natasha Benefield. It's just a really beautiful song. It says, remember, morning always comes as night surrenders to the sun. No matter how dark it becomes, don't stop your light from shining on. You see, I've got hope. You see, I could use a little, use a little. Leave it when you've done it. I won't let it go. I've got hope. In this section of the podcast, we talk about our lives in recovery. How have we experienced recovery this week? I have a couple of sort of dog-related observations. The other day, we had snow. It snowed like two or three inches after having been almost 70 degrees the week before. I was downstairs letting the dog out, as he is wont to do. And I looked out, and my internal dialogue was, Ugh, it's snowing. It's not supposed to be snowing. It's the middle of April. And then I let the dog out, and he was like, oh, there's snow. Okay, I'll go do my thing. <laughs> you know, just that instantaneous lesson about being in the moment, about not having expectations. My expectation was it should be nice out. His expectation was it is what it is. Yeah, I got to take a leak. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> What's the matter? <laughs> exactly. I'll be back in shortly. Yeah. So I was like, okay, uh, there's a lesson. There's a lesson. Yesterday, Saturday morning, we went out for a long stroll because Saturday is the day that I actually have time to do that. And it was reasonably nice. It was chilly, but it was sunny. So we were out walking around and and there are some people out and we're carefully distancing ourselves. We're saying hi across the street or something, waving at each other across the street. I'm walking along and this woman comes over and asks me a question, I think, about the dog. I had my earbuds in, so I had to pause things. And she's standing an appropriate distance away, more than six feet. And we start talking. And we're talking about dogs, and we're talking about cats and pets in general, and about hair. We both have colored hair, right? So we had that to talk about. And I realized that this woman just needed somebody to talk to. And I was the person that was there. And I was able to be there. One of the tools that, that Alanon has given me is 
the ability to be a listener. So I just was there and I listened and, and I responded and, and then I said, okay, you know, it's been great talking to you and we need to keep on walking here. And I think you were on your way to do something. So, you know, let's say goodbye now. I wasn't annoyed. I wasn't pissed off. I mean, part of it was just because I was on a walk and I didn't really have a destination or a time or anything like that. But also being able to recognize another person that has a need that I can fill doesn't hurt me. I felt like that probably wouldn't have happened or it wouldn't have happened with me with the same emotion without what I've learned in recovery. Other than that, my life these days is about acceptance of things I cannot change because there's so much that I cannot change. And I guess to some extent, changing the things I can. I can go out. I can take a walk. I can go to the grocery store at seven in the morning because I'm over 60 and they'll let me in early before they, they let in the big crowds. I take advantage of that, right? Just living the way I can in the moment. Last week sometime, my father fell. Uh, he just was like, getting up to go from one chair to another. And he fell over, apparently fell over backwards and he couldn't get up. My brother was there because he's there. I guess one of the aides was there, but they couldn't get him up and they had to call the EMT to get him up. And, you know, it's just, again, I can't be there. I can't do anything about it. And I just have to accept that, He's moving onward towards at some point the end of his life. And that kind of sucks, but it's also real. I could spend time being pissed off about it. I could spend time wishing that it was different, but it's not going to be. And so a lot of my life these days is about acceptance. So, yeah, that's me right now. Not a whole lot happening in life these days. How are you doing? Pretty well. You know, I've managed to find ways to keep myself occupied. You know, although work-wise, there's zero going on. I've hard to keep hope down, I guess. Is my yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I have found uh, things to do. I've started fishing again. I've been out fishing almost almost every day and it's early here for fishing a week and a half ago when they shut the golf courses down which i was doing almost every chance i could mm -hmm. get at least going out to play six seven holes then they started limiting whether you could use carts and then they started limiting whether people could golf together in a group and then they took the flags out and then they filled the holes with sand and then finally they shut down the golf courses so <laughs> you know I, I was i was going to the putting green and then okay we're done so that was like two Fridays ago. I was like, oh, now what? You know, because I do like to get out. So started fishing again. And right out of the gate, a week and a half ago, I got two absolutely beautiful striped bass. And it's very early to get striped bass here on, on the Long Island Sound. But I got these gorgeous two fish. And the guy that really taught me and got me back into fishing, a friend of mine, I should, should you know, send him pictures. He'd been out six times and hadn't gotten anything. So he always, he's like, oh, look at you. Yeah, the, 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 the student becomes the teacher. <laughs> so I've been fishing a lot. Just, you know, half hour, 45 minutes, a lot of hikes. The dog's exhausted. 
from all the hikes we've been out taking. Just not a back the bad thing. Yeah, right. No, a tired dog's a happy dog. You know, I, I love the one going around. I'm sure you've seen it where the dog's standing on top of the kitchen cabinets, you know, the upper cabinets. And he said, look, okay, I've been out for 20 walks in the last two days. Would you people just please leave me alone? <laughs> <laughs> a lot of walks, a lot of hikes, a lot of now biking, you know, bike rides and uh, fishing. A lot of cooking. The fridge is 20 feet away, so that's a little bit dangerous. But a lot of time with my daughters playing, you know, Wii and games and, and a lot of Zoom meetings. Honestly, I think I probably attend more meetings now than I did in person because I can go anywhere. You popped into a meeting of ours a week ago, I think. Yep, yep. Yeah, the commute's real short. Yeah, right? Commute's to my chair. So I'm, I'm you know, attending every meeting from Recovery Corner. Here in my living room, on my club chair, with all my books and literature stacked around me. Someone said this morning on a meeting, she was in her bed, and she goes, you know, I've never had 41 people in my bedroom before. (laughs) 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 Hysterical. I think humor is coming back on these meetings. I think in the beginning with the Zoom meetings, there was a lot of, you know, down and out and despair. But people are really starting to enjoy them because they can go to any meeting anytime from right where they are. Pretty amazing. A lot of great shares, a lot of the same faces, some new faces. I've been to the step meeting, and I shared this morning. How appropriate is it, okay, that we go through the book, The 12 and 12, 12 Steps and 12 Traditions, and how appropriate that it just turned out that in the last three weeks we've done step one, step two, and step three. You know, right in this time zone, I couldn't have asked for a better series of meetings three weeks in a row, one, two, and three. You know, I can't, God can, I think I'll let them right there. So I'm letting go and letting God. I found a share I did in one of the Zoom meetings. I've been reading from the book In All Our Affairs, and I found this really awesome little thing on page 28. Page 28 says, becoming aware of our powerlessness, you know, and we're all kind of, we were all in the, you know, a month ago, every every meeting was talking about the virus, the COVID, and trying to apply it, you know, to the disease, be it a disease of any kind, Mm -hmm. that it's really beyond our power to control. So this last paragraph says, could I really trust in someone greater than myself? Just at the time I read something that helped me begin to, quote, let go and let God. It said, dear blank. And of course, I wrote my name in, Eric. Dear Eric, thanks, but I don't need your help today. Love, God. (laughs) (laughs) So it says, during the next few weeks, when I felt I needed to give God a hand, I would take out the sheet of paper and read it. You know something? He really has done a great job without my help. (laughs) So cool. Some of the other things, the four-step meeting is now what was a meeting of 12 or 15 is now 3540. I mean, really amazing. Yeah. We've been finishing this book, The Blueprint for Progress, and the, what we do in our meetings here. This is a meeting that I started with a small group of three people about five years ago, and we've decided to do each chapter twice. So we repeat it each uh, chapter on a d- different personality trait or quality. We do once, make our notes, come back the next week, do it again, and then move on. And we're right now on the last chapter, Character Traits, which is kind of a giant chapter. Yes. With lots and lots of things on the left and right, 
forgiving versus resentful, trusting versus suspicious, trustworthy, prone to gossip. And uh, we're finishing that. Really perfect timing. I wrote in the margin here, there was something about selfishness or boundaries. And I saw this quote on one of the things that pop up on my phone. And I sent it to some people that felt like they had been they were resentful over giving too much. And the quote was, givers need to set boundaries because takers have none. Isn't that good? Yeah, you might have sent that to me. I, 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 think, I, I think I did. Yeah, I think you did. <laughs> the four-step meeting was the one you invited me to, or the one that I was oh, able yeah. to make it to. The way that, that you guys did it, where basically somebody read all the questions, and then people could address whichever one they want. We're actually trying to use a format like that. In my Sunday night meeting... The second Sunday of the month, we're doing traditions. We're working out of the green book, Reaching for Personal Freedom workbook. Most of the people don't actually own a copy of that book. And when we were physically meeting, you could put some on the table and people could look at it and pass it around. And I had the book and I read the questions. And then people are like, well, I'm not going to be able to remember all that. And what I figured out about halfway through was I could type the questions into the Zoom chat, and then if somebody wanted to go look at them, they would be right there. So I did that. Next time something like this comes up, I'll know it's there, and I'll just do it, or whoever is doing it can do it right away. So many of us are maybe visual rather than verbal, and when we can look at something, we're like, oh, yeah, that, I, I need to respond to that. Whereas if we hear it, it comes, you know, like they say, in one ear and out the other, right, sometimes. As it turns out, speaking of that fourth step meeting, I think I've told you this before, when we decided to do a chapter, repeat it the next week and then move on, yeah. you know, call this a miracle, call it a coincidence. It turns out there are 26 chapters. Yeah. <laughs> so it takes exactly one year to get through this book. Yeah. And that's about the right pace for me. Yeah. I don't know about a, a question a week. I think yeah. I'd need a couple of lifetimes to go at your guys' pace. Well, what it really does is it is it gives us a topic for the meeting, you know, and the topic might be a particular value. We're in the summary chapter, the findings chapter, which mm -hmm. sort of recapitulates all of the other chapters. You know, what did I learn by looking at honesty? We're kind of recapitulating the book in, in a shorter form. Uh, by going through that chapter. And so it's not like we're trying to complete the book. It's a different kind of a thing. Gotcha. And when I first went into that meeting, I was like, oh, my God, we're doing the four-step questions. I don't know if I can do that. <laughs> <You know? laughs> like, yeah. But it it actually, it, as as I'm sure you found, is it makes for a very powerful meeting. It sure does. Next After this is the summary, which is what you were mentioning in summary. And uh, it really does put a point on what it is we'd like to change about ourselves and what is beyond our control and what we can hope for the better. Yep. The other meetings last week, I, you know, there have been a lot. I don't take as many notes as I do typically because you're looking at a screen and not in a room with my just notepad in the back. But this one I heard, I loved, I never heard it before, the three Ps. Ever heard this? Pause, pray, and proceed. No. Never heard it. No. And then one of the things, and I'll finish with this, someone said, who grew up in it, I did not. He grew up in uh, the disease, both his parents, alcoholics. And he said, you know what? We're so lucky that this virus came along 
because we're all trained for this. I grew up in isolation and distress. <laughs> we all know how to do this. Yeah, I'm perfectly comfortable isolating. I've been doing it all my life. Mm. <laughs> Social distancing, no problem. Been doing that forever since I was a kid. Yeah. yeah. And we can anyway. laugh at it now, which is just one of the gifts of the program. Yeah. So it's yeah. been a pretty good week. Yeah. Someone that uh, saw a picture of me, you know, I put sometimes on the Zoom things of you eating or getting up to, you know, uh, talk to somebody, you put on a little thumbnail. And after the, the person texted me, he said, when was that picture taken of you? that goes on the screen when you turn off your video mm. on the Zoom meet. Mm -hmm. I said, like, last week, I was fishing. And I've, you know, grown a little goatee. I guess, who cares? I said, why do you ask? She goes, because you look so happy. Yeah. Like, well, yeah, you know what? Amidst all of this stuff going on, I actually am pretty happy. You know, whether uh, it's happening or not, it's happening. Yeah. Okay. I can be happy whether... You know, things are troubling or not. It's a choice. Yep. So that's kind of how my week has gone. Pretty good. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. So normally at this point, I'm like, hey, next time we're going to talk about something or other. And what I'm going to say in instead is, so I made this mailing list, which so far has, I don't know, a dozen people on it because I just invited some people who were sort of frequent correspondents correspondence, whatever. But there is a mailing list that I'm going to be using to send out announcements of new topic ideas, maybe just occasionally a thought. I think my first mailing was like, hey, welcome to the list, and here's a thought about gratitude, finding gratitude today. And then yesterday I sent out one says, hey, I want to do a show on hope. Can you contribute? And Eric, thank you, wrote right back. And here we are today. I got a lot of time on my hands. <laughs> I would like to get a little further ahead than that. The other thing that that I had thought was that it might be interesting to do would be to put together the occasional online chat for listeners to the show. And I would announce that also to this mailing list. So if you want to help us develop new topics, if you want to know what's coming, I will try to keep it up to date. And you can send me an email. You can send email to feedback at the recovery.show or Spencer at the recovery.show. They both actually end up in the same mailbox and say, I want to be on the list and I will put you on the list. I'm the only person who can send mail to the list at this point. So you don't have to worry about, oh my God, my email box is going to get inundated with chatter from lots of people. All these people are going to know my email because that's not going to happen. So if you're interested again, uh, email feedback at the recovery.show say I want to be on the list and I will add you. We do welcome your thoughts. You can join our conversation. You can leave a voicemail, send us an email with your feedback, your questions, your thoughts about hope. And Eric, how can people do that? You can call and leave us a voicemail at 734 707 8795. You can also use the voicemail button on the website to join the conversation from your computer. If you prefer not to use your voice, you can send email to feedback at the recovery.show. We'd love to hear from you. Share your experience, strength, and hope, or your questions about today's topic of hope or any of our upcoming topics. If you have a topic you'd like to share, like us to talk about, let us know. Our website is therecovery.show, where we have notes for each episode, 
links to the books that we read from, links to the websites that we talked about, videos for the music we chose, and all that good stuff. We have another short break before we look at our mailbag. And the second musical selection was contributed by Carrie. It's Don't Let Me Down by the Chainsmokers. Carrie writes, This song is my anthem for when things feel terrible. I think this song is referring to someone who needs Al-Anon with codependency issues. Too attached to a person. But for me, the song is about how I feel when things feel hard and my higher power is there for me. Some lyrics here. I need you right now, so don't let me, don't let me, don't let me down. I think I'm losing my mind now. It's in my head. Darling, I hope that you'll be here when I need you the most. So don't let me, don't let me, don't let me down. And I can definitely see that as a plea, a prayer to a higher power. All right, we got some email here. We got a bunch of email. Well, it's been a busy couple of weeks. I think people have time or something. Listener wrote with the title, If I Ever Become an Elanon, It Was You That Helped Me Go. <laughs> it sounds like a song title, doesn't it? Yeah, right. Hi, I want to thank you for continuing to make this podcast during these odd times. A few weeks ago, I headed to my first Elanon meeting. Unfortunately, I didn't have the courage or confidence to go in. I sat in my car, trying to talk myself into the building for five minutes before driving away with the resolution that next time I will go in. In the week following, instructions came to shelter in place to prevent the spread of coronavirus, so this meeting I had resolved to go to was no longer available. Your podcast, while being one of the reasons I searched for a local meeting in the first place, has also been a lifeline for me at this time. I listen to the podcast every morning and evening like bookends to the difficulty I experience during the day. Though I am in my mid-twenties for various reasons, I am currently living with my alcoholic mother. My mom had her first flirtation with sobriety in October when she went to a 28-day rehab to prepare for the arrival of my nephew, her first grandchild. She went with a lot of encouragement and, in truth, after a lot of threats from my family, so it wasn't entirely her decision to go. She had about a month of sobriety after rehab, but has since gradually fallen into her old ways of drinking from sunup to sundown. I have always struggled with her drinking. Over the past few years, I've had problems with anger quiet and hateful, loud and raging. I have identified with so many of the qualities described in the before Al-Anon parts of the podcasts and now catch myself in the middle of them. Like today, when I saw that she was vodka drunk, which for me is worse than her usual wine drunk, I started playing my usual game of hide-and-seek with the empty bottle. I stopped myself as I lifted the mattress in her room and thought, I am so mad. In the past two minutes, I have shouted, slammed doors, made a mess ripping stuff out of cupboards, had my arm shoulder deep in the wheelie bin outside just to find the proof of what we both already know. Just to get her to admit, tell the truth, tell me I am right. For what? So I can be more angry? To justify my anger? So I stopped looking for the bottle. I have never called off a search like that before. Sometimes I've not been able to find the empty bottle and it has taunted me for days until it finally turns up. But now... When I stumble across the little glass bottle I was so enraged over, it will remind me that I took control over that moment and redirected my energy into helping myself get well rather than proving to her that she isn't well. Of course, I am still in a constant struggle with my anger. My quarantine project is the garden, and our shed is simply not full of gardening tools. 
In my vivid and rageful imagination, they are weapons and a shovel to bury her with. Just in case this statement becomes evidence in proceedings of the potential murder trial, I highlight that this is a joke for humor reasons. <laughs> Anonymous. <laughs> you got it. I have not been to an Al-Anon meeting, and I have suspicions that it is a cult, and because I have no spiritual inclinations, I feel that I would struggle with the God of it all. Also, I am in the UK, and I don't know how groups will be different from those in the States we hear of on the podcast. But each episode I listen to edges me closer to that meeting when the lockdown is lifted. Thank you for all the work you do. Stay well. Anonymous, yeah. I did write back and said, you know, there are online meetings. If you want to come to a meeting that you've heard about, I can send you some Zoom links. And there's some that are in the morning, so they might be within reasonable time for you to go to. I think my 7.30 meeting would be about midnight 30 in the UK. might be a little late. I don't know. I just threw it out there. said, look, there are meetings. There are online meetings in the UK. There are online meetings here. And you're welcome to, to come and be totally anonymous. Don't show your face. Don't talk. And you can just be there. So I don't know what's going to happen. I hope that this listener does find her way to recovery in whatever way that works, you know. I applaud your little step there of changing a thing that you could change, which was your reaction to the bottle. Any thoughts on, on this? Yeah, well, we're with you. We get it. Yes, right. You know, I I didn't think it was a cult. What I thought right away it was a culture. It was a culture mm. of wellness and healthy thinking mm. and behaving. So if there's a if there's a positive cult, this is it. When there's the disease of alcoholic or addict thinking, this is the culture of wellness and healthy thinking and behaving for me. That, that's a great way to put it. I have to remember that. You want to read the letter from Justin? Sure. Spencer, I was told about your show about two months ago, and it has quickly become my go-to podcast. I've been in Al-Anon for about five months, and I've started incorporating ACA meetings in the last six weeks. I was as low as I'd ever been walking into my first meeting with a lot of work, prayer, and guidance. I'm making strides towards recovery. My wife is a daily drinker, and I feel the term high-functioning best suits her. I started to become concerned with the drinking and the behavior that ensued. I mustered up my courage and confronted her. I see now it was a fairly weak attempt. She lashed out and started blaming me. After getting shot down more than once, I reached out to friends and family for support and advice. This went on behind her back for close to 10 months, and later she found out. She became aware almost a year ago, and we have been sleeping in different rooms since. By her account, I was determined to ruin her life and destroy her reputation. She continues to drink, and I feel she's starting to go downhill, although I have no idea how steep the slope is. My Al-Anon group has given me the support and guidance. I need and searched for in all the wrong places. I'm starting to work the steps, but I do not have a sponsor yet. There's a veteran woman at the meeting that reached out to me. It may have been pity. We have spoken many times, and she has helped me through several difficult situations. While she's close to my mother's age, I'm not sure a male-female pairing is the best idea. I'm searching for a strong male figure to help me through. I've reached out to a few, but availability is limited. There are several men in my group, but it seems that most have children or parents as qualifiers. I'm fully aware I'm working the program for me, and anyone can offer guidance. It seems 
The drinking wife and mother of young children is different. While I was working around the house, I picked episode 304 because I liked the title, Take It or Leave It. Instantly, I felt the show was speaking to me. The advice, the quotes, the stories, and even the musical selections made an impact. I wished I could have been in a room with you and Eric. I know there's so much I could learn from men like you that have walked the path I'm on. Thank you for taking the time to read this and everything you do to help those of us still suffering daily. Thanks, Justin from Ohio. It all sounds very familiar, doesn't it? Sure does. Yeah, sure does. I love doing that. That was a fun episode, take it or leave it. I'm going to have to re-listen to that. But thanks, Justin. I appreciate that feedback. Justin, if you have the book, How Al-Anon Works, which I hope you do, it's a little harder to get these days, although it is available in electronic book format for at least Kindle, probably others as well. Anyway, in the hard copy of the book, in the paper book on page 30, the section is titled Recognizing Our Options. I, I just come, keep coming back to this paragraph. For example, some al- alcoholics feel guilty about their need to drink and find it much easier to blame the drinking on someone else. Such alcoholics often provoke those around them trying to start an argument or create a crisis. There's a lot more to it in the book, of course, but that one, woof. Yeah, the, the dilemma of the alcoholic marriage also really puts a great um, point on this, how the alcoholic's tools of distraction and dual personality, the split personality of the alcoholic, that might make sense for a read. Yeah. I can tell you it's page eight and nine. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We got a voicemail from Sarah. Hi, Spencer. I am calling after having listened to your recent episode about Dharma recovery with Josh. This is Sarah from Massachusetts, by the way. (laughs) I really got a lot out of that episode. I am fortunate that in my early 20s, I ended up taking a series of meditation courses that really just left me with a solid foundation in how to meditate. Since coming into Al-Anon about two and a half years ago, I have felt like, oh, you know, I should get back into meditation because like many of us, I have had periods of time in my life where I've meditated regularly and had a practice. And then I've had other periods of time where I've not. And the past few years, I really haven't had a regular meditation practice. But one of the benefits of this pandemic, when we're all having more downtime than we're used to, most of us, is that I am home more. I have actually started to pick back up on a meditation practice. I have been doing it really in tiny increments, like five minutes at a time. But I have found that even five minutes in the morning, five minutes in the evening, that sometimes grows into more just in the moment. That started to grow in my, in my mind and in my recovery as well. I just can feel the benefits of that. And so to have this episode happening right now, I just am so 
glad to experience that. I'm starting to really believe that there are no coincidences. I'm not somebody who ever had a strong relationship with a higher power prior to Al-Anon, although the idea of a higher power always kind of attracted me. I never grew up with a strong connection to any kind of religion. I would say that the closest I've come is my meditation practice, which isn't in the religion Buddhism, but is a hundred percent directly from the teacher Buddha. And the other thing, just on the subject of no coincidences and higher power working in my life is that you talked a little bit about codependency and Melody Beattie's books. You just briefly mentioned it in that particular episode. And I've listened to a bunch of your episodes now since I discovered your podcast and I've not heard that, although you may have said it. And now I'm going to look up episodes that you referenced where you talk about codependency. But that's another subject that I have been thinking about this week that somebody recommended one of her books. And once again, just no coincidences. And when I start to have an open mind and think about the ways that my higher power can work in my life, it's just amazing how I can start to see it. Thank you for being so open-minded and being that kind of demonstration of open-mindedness that I hear in recovery as a good thing. Having people on from different kinds of recovery programs and practices, it is super helpful. So, okay, stay well. Take care. Bye. I like that approach of starting small and gradually increasing. I know, like when I started going to the gym, I didn't start with trying to be on the treadmill for an hour. I would never have gone back. I would have been in so much pain, you know. I started with maybe 15 minutes, maybe 10 minutes, okay, until until I could do that easily, and then I can increase it. And I think the same thing probably works for meditation, doesn't it? Episode 151, I'm looking at it. And I sent you, you know, maybe it would be cool to include that link I sent you from Deepak Chopra this morning. Meditating during Corona. It's pretty cool. It's okay. really good. Yeah. Okay. Vicky wrote, Hi, I've been in Al-Anon for two years and have been struggling away from in-person meetings recently. Last night, I attended my first phone meeting and I was so surprised how much I liked it. Someone on that meeting mentioned your podcast and I am so grateful that they did. Thank you for all that you do and especially for this topic, the fear episode at this perfect time. Also, regarding a comment at the end of the show when discussing peacekeeping and peacemaking and the listeners comment about difficulty in romantic relationships, being new to your show, I apologize if you may have covered this elsewhere, but I would also love an episode on the exploration of ACAs or other Allen honors and the effects on their ability to be in healthy romantic relationships. This is something I also struggle with. Happy to elaborate or clarify if that would be helpful. Sincerely, Vicki. Well, thank you. Thank you for the note, Vicki. And yeah, that's an interesting, that's, again, this is one of these places somebody says, I, I wish we could have a show on this. And I say, I've never been there. So if we're going to have a show on this topic, it needs some other people to help me out. Because, you know, I'm in a stable relationship, although there was a while there where it wasn't clear whether it was going to continue or not with the drinking. But I've I've been romantic with the same person for almost 40 years now. So, yeah, <laughs> I'm going to need some help on that. Call 
leave a voicemail, send an email, say you want to co-host an episode. I'd love to to do this topic, but it's not my topic to do. You know what I mean? Call me if you need help with that one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we have heard a little bit about yes. Yeah. Got a short note from Susan who says, I'm holding you and your family and your dear father in my prayers. May you all be at peace. Thank you for always being there for me. May you feel held by the love of the fellowship. Take care. Susan in Hawaii. And just thank you. Thank you for those wishes. You want to read uh, Betsy's note here? Sure. Fear 327 brought back some powerful memories. And I'd like to use this venue to sort through them. Many years ago, my husband fell off the roof and had to be rushed to the hospital. I was cool as a cucumber. I stayed calm throughout, comforted him, and made sure the hospital staff were taking good care of him at all times. One afternoon in the hospital, the TV was blaring, as usual, and some news program was replaying a 911 call, where the woman who called was so hysterical and the dispatcher was having trouble figuring out what the problem was. I suddenly realized that's exactly the way I was feeling inside my calm exterior. After my husband began to recover, I shared my brilliant insight from that moment. If he would promise to never go on the roof again, I could stop feeling that sense of panic inside. I was stunned when my husband refused my request. Not only was I drowning in anxiety and fear that refused to abate, now I had to reevaluate my expectations of what our marriage meant. I sought the help of a therapist and stunned us both when I announced that the fear I was feeling had nothing to do with my husband's fall. It was left over from the 14 years we had lived in a town where my husband, daughter, and I were constantly persecuted and abused by our neighbors. That's a whole nother long story I don't need to go into now. That moment in the therapist's office was when I started to learn about post-traumatic stress disorder. Lots more years later, I've discovered Al-Anon and just finished working the 12 steps with a sponsor. I've learned that by that naming my fear, as I did in that moment in the therapist's office, can diffuse the fear's power. I've learned to welcome fears as important messengers. I listen to what they have to tell me, then hand them over to my higher power to manage. I'm also learning that, for me at least, fear is almost always a warning that I'm feeling responsible for something I cannot control. The serenity prayer is so helpful here. Am I trying to control something that I should be accepting? Am I accepting something that I should be taking responsibility for? Do I trust my higher power to help me answer those questions? I'm still a very fearful person with lots of physical problems related to my to anxiety. On the other hand, I know now what serenity feels like, and I have the tools to find my way back to it when I stray. Fear is still a big part of my life, but it's not nearly as scary as it used to be. Thanks for this program. It's been of great help to me. Betsy, thank you. Thank you for sharing your experience, your strength there, because I think that's a really important key. And I don't know whether we hit on it, that being able to name a fear is the first step towards defusing it. Thank you. Yeah, say it, don't wear it, something like that. Isn't there a saying something like that? Yeah, it's something like, as it rhymes with wear it. If we don't share it, we wear it. How about that? There you go. That's what I was going for. 
Okay. Yeah. If we don't share it, we see the the rhyming. It's like the whole <laughs> yeah. the acronyms, yeah. the alliterations, the rhyming helps to remember it. Yeah. All right. Carl left us some voicemail here. Hi guys. Good morning. My name is Carl. I'm calling from Flagstaff. After a pretty horrific breakup, I found you guys. I'm on episode 37 now, I guess, and I'm working my way through it. Thank you so much for what you do. Thank you guys for all being amazing. I was dating someone that was in the program, and I wasn't in the program, and I should have been in the program. It was bad. <laughs> I don't think it's over, and I just definitely have to go and do my work and uh, get myself back on track and be healthy before I could be healthy for someone else. But I am like right now on the podcast of juggling, and um, the juggling aspect of my life is what caused my relationship to end. So this is very timely, and thank you for your compassion, and thank you for everything that you guys do. Much love. Have a beautiful day. Bye. Hey, good morning. My name is Carl. I'm in Flagstaff, Arizona. Because of the whole COVID-19 thing, I, I was looking for an Elon meeting, and I couldn't find one, so I started digging online, didn't find anything. I dug some more, like, into podcasts and found you guys, and I think I may have left you one message already, but I am brand new to this, and you guys are kicking ass so good here that I'm probably, you, you probably will be getting a bunch of phone calls from me over, over time as it goes. Right now, I just finished on self-care, and I still needed that one because I just have not been taking care of myself. After li- listening to you guys, I actually woke up at 2 o'clock the other morning and started cleaning my entire studio. I worked on it for 23 hours. For me, that was taking care of myself. I'm a photographer, and um, my girlfriend's a photographer, and we broke up because not being able to take care of each other, and we were trying to fix each other, trying to fix everything around us. It put a temporary halt on our relationship, and so... Thank you for this. I needed to hear everything that you said today. So thank you guys for sharing. God bless. And uh, you guys are doing a freaking amazing job. I'm I'm an old Marine, so I'm trying to keep it from not being too crazy. All right. Have a great day. Um, love you guys. And I'm sure that you'll hear my voice again. I hate my voice, but hopefully it's not too bad. All right. Peace. Hey, guys. My name is Carl. I'm in Flagstaff, Arizona. I've called you a couple times, and I'm sure that I'll be calling you a bunch more times because you have such great content. Today, I listened to the three A's, and the pause button, really, really huge. I was dating, am dating, not sure what's going on with dating. Someone that she's been in the program for 12 years, and I've never been in the program. So she paused, and I took it wrong, and then she paused again, and I took it wrong, and this has happened over the past couple months. And last time that she paused, I got upset, and I walked away, and kind of like trashed our relationship. Listening to all the tools that you guys put up here today, if I listened to this two weeks ago, I'd be golden today. But it's just, you know, a work in progress and continue to move forward. And I'm not where I need to be, but I'm better than I was yesterday. So I'll just keep working on that. So thank you guys for what you do. Much love from Flagstaff, Arizona. And I appreciate you guys. And yeah, the three A's, absolutely correct. And they have to be in that order because, I took action, and that was not a good thing. So thank you, and peace. Thank you, Carl. Can you read from Mary? Mary has a question and some experience to share. I'm new to recovery, and I've been going to Al-Anon for about a year now. I also go to CODA and have a sponsor whom I truly love. She knows the program and really helps me. I'm on step three and love recovery. My qualifier is my daughter who lives 10,000 miles away in Greece. When I go to visit her, it's not easy. It was one winter that we were there 
And I read the first step and realized I am powerless over her and her drinking, and my life was unmanageable. It was that moment I decided to find recovery. I am very green behind the ears yet. I still cry many times when I share. It's always hard for me afterwards because I feel like I should have it more altogether and feel embarrassing that I'm such a mess. We just did a Zoom meeting and I cried when I shared, but a beautiful thing happened. I felt no shame about it. I think that's progress. I usually listen to the newer programs, but I was interested in the codependency topic, so I found episode 66. During that episode, you played the music, and I loved that you had the music in the podcast. I was curious why you stopped adding it. I usually don't go on the website just to hear the music. Would you consider putting it back into the podcast? P.S. How will I hear the answer to the question? Thank you, Spencer. You're a godsend to the world, Mary. Yeah, I I emailed Mary. The answer to the question is that if I put music in the podcast, I am violating copyright law. And there is currently no way for me to legally put music in the podcast, so we stopped doing it. Because I don't want to get sued. But it's on the website. Crying in meetings, it is... I'm not going to say it's expected, but it it is definitely, we understand because so many of us have cried in meetings. I I cried through at least my first months of meetings. When all of that emotion is coming out, that's what happens. So there's no shame. As you said, no shame. The last song I, I picked is Angel from Montgomery by John Prine. Partly because John Prine died very recently from COVID. This is one of his most, for me, heart-wrenching songs in in many ways, of of many heart-wrenching songs that he wrote, along with many funny songs that he wrote. And you can listen to it on the website. You can listen to it in the Spotify playlist, which will be linked from the website. If you follow one of those, you can find the recovery show in Spotify, and then follow it or something, and then you can find them all. Anyway, I feel that the main character in this song, who describes herself as an old woman named after my mother, is searching for hope. There's just a couple lyrics in the chorus that I think really capture this. It says, just give me one thing that I can hold on to, to believe in this living is just a hard way to go. It's not the uplifting song that I normally try to put at the end. Maybe we should have put the Natasha Bedingfield song at the end, but it's just a beautiful song by an amazing songwriter. We're going to miss him. Thank you for listening, and please keep coming back. Whatever your problems, there are those among us who have had them too. If we did not talk about a problem you are facing today, feel free to contact us so we can talk about it in a future episode. May understanding, love, and peace grow in you one day at a time.